Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the day. Bible had things in it that would uh, 
change the true intent of what was written. Uh, that just doesn't that doesn't make any sense. And I, I don't believe anybody. I mean, I, I know there's sections of the scripture. Sometimes when you read it, you are rather shocked at the fact that you are certainly far apart from whatever it is you were reading or you are guilty of certain things, one thing or another. Uh, that's a different type of thing than I'm talking about. But what's in a word? We're going to be looking at Matthew 28, verse 20 today. But let's talk about this just a minute. Isn't it within the words of the Bible that we find in, in just a few things, uh, such as peace, that is our peace, hope, truth, even the forgiveness of sin, the, uh, the story of man uh, brought to a conclusion with the sin, um, the sin problem solved. That's quite, a, that's quite a book, and that's how we should look at it. Uh, and the only way that we can believe and stand on it is to know that the things that are there are true. The Bible tell, speaks of itself as the very truth from heaven, the sublime message from, from God brought to man through the... the um, various writers, inspired writers of the Bible. And we know these things, we talk about them, but every now and then we find within the various translations we have a real problem that is brought about uh, for reasons that we don't quite understand. Uh, maybe it was just a mistake, but I doubt it. Is it intentional or is it Someone's really their belief. So what we do is we find out what the words really truly mean, especially within the context that they're found. Also, I think we find within God's Word the beginnings of things, all of God's creation, uh, that we we can use the word world there, which is the word cosmos, uh, simply referring to the orderly uh, arrangement, the um, wide or narrow sense. We're going to get into that a little later today. Um, God has given us, not only did he create time for us, but we find it, we find it accomplished in Genesis chapter 1. We learn about the people, the man, mankind that God created. After he had created everything else, he created man, male and female, in his image and likeness. We find the history of mankind within God's word, his dealings with mankind. These things are important. And truly, the, the Bible is the accurate history book. It doesn't have every little piece of history from every country at all times. That's not what I mean. I mean accurate as far as, as the layout of it, the chronology of it, the, the numerical 
the numbering of it, if you will, the dates. We have some. We can stand on some pretty firm dates within the scripture. So we find that without words and the understanding of them, we would be blind to the things of this life. What was the uh, what was the verbiage that that Brother Ron McRae used about uh, when God God spoke spoke a, a speaking creation into reality? What was the I forget how he put it. Yes, uh, Doctor McRae, when he was studying Genesis and he he kept coming back to the very first part of the first chapter, and he says, you know, this isn't history. This is a declaration from God. He's not explaining it. He's simply declaring it so. Uh, and I think that's the, that's the emotional thing that sometimes we can leave out. Um, there, is, there was, I guess there ought to be an exclamation point after it, you know. <laughs> but it is a declaration. Those God's word, God's own words gave birth to the entire order of, of nature that we know and see in it today. Yes. You can't tell me that words aren't important, especially to God. Certainly. He's using them. He knows they're important to us. Um, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because that's, that's really, you know, after this is after years and years of study, someone comes to that conclusion just instantly of the declaration so I think we need to seek to find the emotion if you will uh, that we find in the scriptures I, I've often uh, I've had messages to do with that when I was speaking about Jesus and the things that he said in the Gospels you know many times we, we forget that when when the uh, writings put a phrase in like Jesus cried, that doesn't mean it was tears. It was was how he was speaking. And you should kind of read it that way. It It was bold. It was energetic. Everyone heard it. Everyone understood that this was from the heart. And... He wanted them to understand that this was the message from his Father in heaven. Now, another thing about words. We are not to argue about words. That's what the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy about arguing about words. You see, we don't need to argue about words. We simply define them and do the very, very best that we can and and. Arguing about it would be would be silly. Now you can have a conversation about it, but an argument is something that is a whole lot different than that. Using I'm using argue in the in the man on the street terminology, not as it as it would be used in a debate that's organized and and uh, put together properly. So that's not what we're talking about with words. Arguing about this word and that word. Words to nothing profitable. Right, no profit in it. And that was uh, written to Timothy. I think it's uh, Timothy 
Yeah, Second Timothy two fourteen. Right, right before, uh, you know, Second Timothy three is where we find uh, that about all about the Word of God, defining it as the breath of God. So <clears throat> it doesn't mean that the apostle thought that words weren't important. He thought that going down a certain path completely destroys the whole the whole idea. And that's what we need to avoid. I think we need to strive, though, to understand that there is a true intent to everything written in the Scripture. There is a true intent. It wasn't put there as a riddle or as something that, that nobody's ever going to agree on. If you believe that's how the Bible's written, then you need to look at it a little, a little closer. And we find that that true intent is always surrounded by the context that we find certain teachings and certain words within. The context is key in many, many things to do with Scripture and the study of the Bible. Now, this is a real challenge that we find ourselves in, to believe what the words truly are saying, even though we have some baggage, if you will, to contend with. Uh, baggage is our religious backgrounds, the things that we were taught when we were young or by someone we respected. And it's hard to shake that because most times those things were taught with a real intent to help us and to do things for us in a positive way. But you know, we can everybody can be wrong about certain things. And and that we need to, as the time arises, correct these things within our own life and help others do the same. But this is what we must do to be honest with ourselves. When we discover the true meaning of a word or a phrase Concerning the context, when we do that, we must be honest with ourselves about it and deal with it. And then encourage others to do likewise. What else, I think, would the Lord expect of those that are in Christ? I, I think about the writing by the Apostle Paul that the Bereans were uh, re worthy of respect because they listened to him, and then they went home and searched the scriptures to see if what, what this man had said were, was actually true. That's the process. And it even, I mean, it was so honored that the Apostle Paul and, and, and the Spirit of God decided that should, should be recorded so we, have, we read it and understand that this is pleasing and this is the way. So those are my comments to start with today, but I want to start with a new word today. Last week we had the word generation, <clears throat> and today the word is going to be age. Um, we can't do an exhaustive study in, in this lesson on this, but um, age is an interesting word. You know, we use age in many different ways. Uh, uh, we, our, our own age and then other ages of some sort. 
But in the Greek, there's a specific uh, dealings with this word age. Um, Ionis, or Iona, how, however it's, it's spelled. I notice it's spelled different ways in different translations, but always the same word. Um, when, when age is the word. Now, age isn't always the word, uh, but typically age is the word that's replaced by a, another word not the other way around. And that's where the problem comes in. Many times within the, the translations that we have at home and in our studies, um, the word world is replaced for age. Uh, and that is really incorrect in most cases. And it does a really it does a lot of violence to the context of the passage. It certainly is going to, because of the way people are thinking about Christendom and the teachings that are generally known in the scriptures. When people hear the word world, they think of two things: you know, the world they live in and the end of the world, which of course is always the cataclysmic burning and, and so forth that has been uh, spoke of. Um, and, that's, and that's the issue. You go running off on a tangent with a completely different understanding of a word just because somebody changed it. We, we know what the world is. We know what dirt, what the dirt and the water and the sand and the grass. That's right. That's right. It, it just, just really changes the meaning. Now I'm going, to, I'm going to read this passage and then I want to talk about the word age and the word world and then give you a couple of scriptures here um, that I think are, are uh, proper ways to think about these things. And, and the other scriptures I'll have in the rest of this lesson is to show that we can't use the, the word world for age, the ages, if, if you will. So Matthew, uh, and I've been using Young's literal translation because uh, he does a pretty good job in these things. Um, now this, of course, this this is the very last word uh, verse, in, if, as we call it, in the writing of Matthew. It's called normally called the Great Commission, verses 19 and 20. And Jesus is speaking to the apostles here and to no one else, I might add, concerning their task. And he says, having gone or going, as the concept is, as you go then, disciple all the nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all whatever I did command you. Now this is the last part of it that's really important on this idea here of the word. And lo, I am with you all the days. Now see, we got a time statement here that we need to not just dismiss. We can't put this one into oblivion and far, far away. And I am with you all the days until or till the full end of the age. 
Now, that translation is proper. Um, in, in Young's, it's, it's, done, it's done well. And you know why he used the word age there instead of the word world that's found in the King James and, and some others that we'll, we'll get to? You know why? Because that's the Greek word for, um, for what is being said. I notice in our, our Bible translation here in our, our Greek text, there's the word world. Um, the King James uh, uses it and, and others. And you know, there's been some corrections in the modern ver- versions. As, as a matter of fact, you know, everyone talks so poorly about the NIV, but the NIV actually gets it right. They fixed it. Um, so, what's, what's the word age mean? As used in Matthew 28:20, 20, the completion of the age. Doesn't that, to me, mean a, the, the consummation of, of the age that, that had a beginning and had an ending? Isn't that what this is really talking about? The completion of the age? That's what Jesus said. And as it's, it's a, a noun, so it's, a noun is what? A person, place, or thing. This is a thing. This is an age. One age. One of the ages. Which is basically a period of time with a beginning and a closing. And in this case, the context is what? The Jewish Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth, speaking to the apostles, his apostles, and what were they doing? Were they not part of the covenant age of the Jews? Wasn't that their age? They were interested in their age. That is the age from Abraham, the promise God made to Abraham, the beginning of the age, if you will, of the, uh, the people of God set apart for a purpose. And the purpose, of course, was to bring Messiah into the world through the lineage of these people to take care of the, of the sin problem that man had that they could not help themselves with. Abraham's promise from God to the parousia, that's the end, if you will, of the age. That's what they knew about in the Old Testament and the prophets wrote about. When they, the prophets wrote about the end of the covenant, they were speaking about the end of the covenant that Abraham, God had made with Abraham concerning this time period. That's why it's age. And obviously the word world really doesn't fit here, does it? Not when we understand it in, in a way that uh, this writing, this gospel writing, comes from the Jewish people during the Jewish time, during that age, and we, have, we cannot just disregard that, the, the concept of the age that they were talking about, because we don't understand it or know anything about it. But that's what it seems has been happening for some long time. Now, in comparison, 
the word that is used by so many different translations. As a matter of fact, uh, let's give me, let me give you a little list here. Um, and some of them I just really hate to tell you how bad they, they've done, but the King James, and even in the American Standard Version, it says in this verse, end of the world. Now, in some of the American Standard Versions, there is a footnote on the word world, and you'll find down below it'll say age. But why not use the right word, the right Greek word, translated into the proper English word? The NIV makes it much better. To the very end of the age. I think that's a better translation, although I don't believe the word very is in there. Uh, but they've added there for emphasis. They may be trying to talk about, they may be still looking towards what they would consider the end of the world. <laughs> but they have to admit that the word should be age and not world. Darby says, until the completion of the age. Good translation. The Syriac Pishuro says, unto the consummation of the world. And there is a footnote on the word world. Of course, then it would be age. The Living Oracles, Alexander Campbell's translation, puts it this way, even to the conclusion of this state. The state is, is a, pretty, a pretty good word for an age. It's a state of being for that particular time. Um, being born anew from heaven is a new state that you live in. You see how it works? So he's using the word state. He uses the word this um, even though the word this is not in the original. Uh, so that's kind of an issue because in, the, uh, in uh, the study of this word, you'll find that uh, different words such as that before the word age has some, also has some meaning. Now the word is the age uh, within the scripture. I believe that the, uh, yeah, the end of the age. The end of, uh, of the age. We put of, of in there because we're English speakers and it, it really works much better that way. Um, so the RSV translation, it says to the close of the age. Pretty good translation. And we already read Young's translation. And there are many other versions, of course. And I don't have every version uh, available to me. I could go in, on the Internet and find some of them. But, you know, there's, uh, there's hundreds of versions. Um, th th we thank God in the providence of God that we still have, though, the Greek versions uh, to go back to. And we don't have to sift through and wade through somebody else's commentary on what the, what the versions should, should say. Um, so this is an issue that we're dealing with. So the word world, then, is the word, as I said, it's uh, cosmos in English. 
which means an orderly arrangement a wide or in a wide or narrow sense. Uh, in, but it includes the inhabitants of the arrangement. This is this is uh, what God has created. And by the way, you know, uh, God's creation is not in disorder. It's it's orderly. Uh, the disorder is rebellion towards God, and and that's that's the that's where men live. But the order, you can you cannot accept the fact that there's no order in God's creation. And I've I've, uh, I've heard many uh, different programs and writings read a lot about this. The idea of chaos um, is a concept that chaos is supposed to w- reduce everything to dust or atoms even. The thing is, when we try to create chaos, in in a laboratory setting, and we set everything up so that it has no way to to go except chaos. It never works. The order of what how things are and what it is you're dealing with, the chaos doesn't happen. It's been tried and tried and tried, and of course because of that, they gave up on the whole chaotic thing to do with uh, the Big Bang theory and this sort of thing all becomes quite quite impossible uh, under this sort of circumstance so certainly the word world is not a word to use to designate a period of time within the whole you know the whole of time however much time there will be and um, what we read in Genesis that God promised Noah and his sons and their wives, that um, as, as long as the earth endures, and then he set all the perimeters, you know, summer and winter, and, and, and harvest, uh, harvest and planting and harvest, the, the normal cycle of things would continue. That's order regardless of the disorder we may see. And uh, that, that, that's why this is so important. Now, let's look at, um, if you want a proper usage of the word world, as Jesus used it, let's go to John 18, verses 36 and 37. I'm not berating the word world. I'm berating the, the fact that our translators stuck the word world in where age should be, which changes the whole meaning of, of what is said. So, John 18, 36 and 37. We read this. <clears throat> Jesus, of course, answering a question. Um, uh, to, of Pilate. Jesus answered Pilate, My kingdom is not of this world. That's a proper usage. If my kingdom were of this world, my officers had struggled that I might not be delivered up to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from hence. Hence meaning the world is where they were. 
Pilate therefore said to him, Art thou then a king? And Jesus answered, Thou dost say it, because a king I am. I for this have been born, and for this I have come to the world, that I may testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth doth hear my voice. Now, that's a proper usage of the word. And by the way, you can check it out. Check out the Greek on it, and you'll find that this is the word we're talking about. That's right. It's not the word age. The word is a different Greek word, completely different. Uh, that, that's one passage. Because Neil and, and also, it, it's, it's very important, along with this, to kind of support what you're saying, is that Jesus came to the Jews. And and that is how he's addressing it, and 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 that word makes it very very you know very very clear. Yes, that that's right, and you know all that's the context, isn't it? You, I mean, you would be shocked how many people, uh, Christians, don't know that Jesus came to the Jews and to the Jews only, and didn't even speak to the Gentiles. And would it? <coughs> Even though the scriptures are clear, that's just what he did. It, it it makes it makes that statement. Well, there's a lot of there's a lot of disorder among Christians and in churches. Oh yeah. We don't we see the word world and we think it's the world and or even if we see the word age, we think it's the com- complete uh, uh, span of to- of all of history. Yeah, that's exactly we right. We don't see the, we don't see God's divisions. Uh, we don't see the the, ch- the changes that have happened over time, the prophecies yeah. that had been fulfilled many many times over. Right. There's a lot of disorder, and that works. That's part. Of, that's going back to the chaos that you were talking about, and the and yeah. the order that God established. Yes. Yeah, and it, and it's all defined again in the role of the you know apostles. Yeah. It's all laid out again. Yeah. Very clearly, but no, we just ignore it. And, mm-hmm. you know, let's talk about Jesus and the, the Bible was written to me and all the rest of it that just confuses and causes chaos. Like, mm-hmm. I am, you know, like a very good friend of mine, a very close friend of mine asked me, so it's been a few months ago, that if our group teaches, and this, is, this was her words, do you teach that we're in the last days, your group? That was the question. Right. And the fact is, is that the worse things get in society, the closer that Christian groups come to that thinking and that, uh, you know, what is it? What's the word I'm looking for? Conclusion. And so we're off the scent. We're clear off the scent now. And, and the, the thinking is, the end of the world thinking is predominant in Christendom. Uh, rather than the end that is talked about in the New Testament is not, absolutely not the end of the physical world. But it's perceived as such. So what happens when we got a tragedy or we got a, Anything that's going really, really bad in this world, the churches fill up. 
as 9-11 proved. 9-11, six weeks or was it 10 weeks? By, by 10 weeks away, they started to, to dwindle down once again. But those, those next 10 weeks, the churches were packed in this country. Why? Out of fear of the end of the world. And uh, whether, you know, I mean, this is just how we are. We have to recognize that. Um, it's a misconception, but we're surrounded by it, and we need to deal with it. And a lot of it has to do with this issue of what, what a word is and what it means. Uh, I'm just looking up there on our, on our Greek where we have the translation of the word uh, out of is translated of, just of. And we find this all the time. And it'd be so much better if we you know, translate it properly. Um, but nonetheless, I want to uh, move on because it, if we're dealing with this idea of the end of the world, uh, as so many people deal with, and, and forgetting uh, that, that's why the word age means very little to them, but it should mean a lot because of the different things that we have. Um, God has set ages within the, the lifespan of men, different covenants, different periods of time for, for his reason, mm -hmm. for his purpose. And we would do very well to recognize those things because it sets things in order for us. Uh, and that's very important. But in Matthew chapter 16, again, um, we find an explanation here speaking about um, an age uh, coming to a conclusion, another one beginning, that I think is important to, to remember. Uh, this isn't something that was just a mystery. It, uh, this was known, and Jesus makes it clear here in Matthew 16, 27, 27 and 28. Okay. Now, what, let's go back to 20, 26 here and make sure we got this right. Yeah, he's, he's talking to uh, uh, the, the apostles here, I, I, I believe. Uh, and, and they've been having some issues with, with, with people and people coming and asking questions and things of that sort. But in, in this verse, from verse 26... Uh, Jesus says, For what is a man profited if he may gain the whole world? And see, there's a good use of the word. But of his life suffered loss. Or what shall a man give as an exchange for his life? In other words, you know, the temporal things. Concerning the, the life, which is life without end. Whether it be in, a, in heaven or torment. Then in verse 27, he says this, which is very prophetic, of course, on, on top of everything else. For the Son of Man is about to come. There's that word mellow. It sets a time statement. He is about to come. 
in the glory of his Father with his messengers. And then he will reward each according to his work. Verily I say to you that there are certain of those standing here who shall not taste of death till they may see the Son of Man coming in his reign. And that word coming there is not parousia there, it's urkamai. Uh, it, it's, it's a verb in this case. Uh, when we see the, uh, the, uh, the word parousia, it's going to be a noun. So you see what's being said here? This is a, a time statement referring to the end of the Jewish age that they knew well the Messiah, the Messiah brought on the end of the age as the prophets taught. Everywhere they taught about this, this is what they taught. It brought about the end of the covenant age and the messianic age began. All right? So this is, Jesus makes it clear, this time statement, the end of the Jewish age. It's the end that he's talking about here of the Jewish age, followed by the kingdom of God. And that is, of course, an age, if you will, except that it's not an age, because the kingdom of God has no end. And not only the New Testament speaks of this, but the Old also. This kingdom, starting with the Messiah, has no end. We don't have to worry about more ages. We're in it. We're in the last age, if you will. Now, how do we, how do we prove that? Matthew 26. Matthew 26. And look at verse 26 to start with, through 29. Well, I can read it from my Bible. Matthew 26, 26 through 29 says this. And as they were eating, Jesus, having taken the bread and blessed, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And having taken the cup and given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood that of the new covenant that shed for many for remission of sins. But I say to you that I will not at all drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it anew with you in the kingdom of my Father. So when did the kingdom, when did the kingdom begin? Well, if you'll remember the scriptures, you'll find that Jesus ate and drank with his apostles after his resurrection. Does that, does that infer to you that the kingdom had come upon the Jews? They, they had had. And now they had about a 39-year uh, period of time to get right with, these, with this teaching of the apostles of Christ and until the end of the covenant that was that was spoke about um, the book of Revelation is 
is really about that end time of the covenant, the whole thing. From beginning to end, the last two chapters speaks about uh, things after that end has occurred, and those are those are good for for us to understand. But you see how this is so so important. Um, there is a way to understand it. So as we read the words of Jesus to his apostles just before he returned to heaven there in Matthew 28, 20, um, we, we, we see how it is done. Um, verse 20, And lo, I am with you all the days. Now what days are we speaking of? We're speaking of the days of the apostles. Those are the days referred to here. Uh, who else would he be speaking about here? All the days. And of course, he's speaking also about all the days of the age. The fullness of the age. And by the way, the apostles' age, days and the end of the age are also the same period of time, regardless of what's been written outside of Scripture. This is a conclusion we must draw from this, um, because it says, it goes on to say, and lo, I am with you all the days until the completion of the age. What age? This is the, the question. What age? This must be known to fully understand what Jesus said here. And until we have some real confidence in this, we're not going to know really what's being said. And that leaves us in a, in a very bad place. But the scripture is so clear. Uh, we, we have more than just this passage to, to go from. Here's the question, another question asked. Did the apostles know what age? Now remember, in chapter 24 of, of, of Matthew, after Jesus had said that, the, that there would be one, not one stone left upon another in the whole temple area, they wanted to know when these things were going to be uh, and when his presence would be known, and the and the time of the full end of the age, the consummation of the age. That's what they wanted to know. Did they know the question? They knew the answer. They knew what the age was, and what age Jesus was speaking about here. I'm saying that this is the same age. This is the age Jesus spoke about. Unfortunately, we have a lot of folks that think this means the end of the world. Well, it was the end of the Jewish covenant. And of course, we, we're, we have a lot of trouble proclaiming that too because we have a world full of folks that say they are, they are Jews and they're still the chosen people of God. Even though the scripture, the New Testament, is very clear that this this blood relation is no longer an issue that we that each person that God is no respecter of persons 
as the Gentiles were brought, in, brought into the kingdom through the obe- uh, be, uh, being obedient to the gospel? That was the point they should have understood, that what had been has, has, been, has come to an end. It's being rolled up as this old scroll, as they say. What age was this? You can read in Ephesians chapter 2 um, concerning this, uh, verses 5 through 7. That's another age. He uses the word ages. Ephesians 2, 5 through 7. Here's what it says. Even being dead in trespasses did make us to live together with Christ. By, uh, through grace, or in grace, you have been, you're, you're, have been saved. And did raise us up together and did seat us together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The us there, by the way, is a first person plural. That he might show in the ages that are coming the exceedingly riches, the exceeding riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. It's always the us is always the apostles first, and then we find the body of Christ in a, in a full sense, sharing in these things. The ages, you notice it's a plural word, you know, no matter what Bible you go to, it'll say ages. That means there was, there was an age to come after the Jewish covenant age, wasn't there? There's the promise of it from the apostle. It was understood. And that age is the age that Daniel spoke about, that Nebuchadnezzar saw. And we'll kind of conclude with that one today. Uh, Daniel chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. Listen to the words and you'll see that it almost it's a summary of what we've been talking about concerning this Jewish age. All right. And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince who standeth for the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of distress, distress such as never was since there was a nation until that time. And at that time thy people shall be delivered, everyone that is found written in the book. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame, to everlasting contempt. And they that are wise shall shine as the brightness of the expanse. And they that turn the many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. And thou, Daniel, close the words and seal the book till the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. Now, many people have taken this to be the end of the world. But it says, till the time of the end. Now, what's being spoken about? Everything in this writing has to do with the Jewish people and the Jewish covenant. Every single bit of it. Even declaring... um, it, it, it a nation and, uh, and the distress never being so great as to at this particular time. And we know history is even recorded 
the end of all that was Jewish, all that was the, the covenant period, was taken away and destroyed by 70 A.D. It's as simple as that, friends. Read, read your history. Read Josephus and history in general. You'll find that this is the case. And um, not that it won't bring some arguments your way, uh, but nonetheless, uh, I'm just trying to point out that we can't use the word world and, re- and replace the word age, the Greek word age, for the Greek word world. We just won't work. And it's a misconception, and it's, it's promoting a, a, a very unscriptural look at eschatology concerning the scriptures, that is the end times teaching. It's, it's incorrect. The Bible has said so. And I'm just repeating what I read from the scriptures. So we pray these ha- this has been helpful to you today. Uh, I believe there's one more word I want to deal with next week. And we will conclude until then these thoughts. And we pray that this has been a blessing to you and helpful to you in your understanding and your work for the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we do pray. Amen. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.